Phil Albertelli, and this is The Week in Doubt, a podcast for atheists, agnostics, and whoever. And this is episode 171, YouTube Atheist Part 2. Before we get started, I'd like to give a quick shout-out to David Gwaltney, hope I'm not butchering your name, and Brent Burgess for liking The Week in Doubt Facebook page. So my original video entitled YouTube Atheist was fairly well received, so I figured why not do a part two? I think I released the first installment about half a year ago now, so I thought first I'd talk about what's changed and what stayed the same in the interim. Uh, well, feminists and MRAs are still at each other's throats, the amazing atheist and atheist Rue are still battling over race, TYT is still trying to make us all feel guilty for our supposed mistreatment of Muslims. Well, let's see, what's actually changed? Oh yeah, Jacqueline Glenn got outed as a plagiarist. I won't waste my time rehashing the Jacqueline Glenn plagiarism scandal. I already covered it in episode 167, which you can find both on iTunes and right here on YouTube. It contains a somewhat damning sampling of audio clips, so you can check that out if you like. And I don't personally have anything against Jacqueline Glenn. I actually praised her in my last YouTube Atheist video, which of course was released prior to the aforementioned plagiarism allegations. And as I said before, worse to me than the paraphrasing of theoretical bullshits video, pardon my French, that's the name of... um another atheist YouTuber, the one she uh, allegedly plagiarized. And on the heels of that, there were more revelations uh, regarding uh, cases of her plagiarizing uh, other YouTubers. Uh, but worse than that to me was the way she copy and pasted other people's comments on social media without giving credit to the author, leading people to believe they were her original thoughts. But anyway, speaking of TYT, to be fair, I was actually quite surprised by how reasoned and measured Jenk has been in his coverage of the San Bernardino massacre. He's been very quick to define the perpetrators as terrorists, and uncharacteristically has refrained from attempting to hit us over the head with his usual Muslim apologetics. And I'll play a clip now. I have this whole thing figured out. Oh, good. Okay, you guys ready? False flag. Okay, <laughs> no, for God's sake, no. Okay, uh, so, first of all, can we call it terrorism? Yes, let's dispense with that. The FBI calls it terrorism. There seems to be some sort of clear link to whether it's the Pledge of Allegiance, the fact that, uh, you know, they went to Saudi Arabia a couple of times and seem to have been radicalized over there, according to the authorities. Now, the authorities could be wrong, but let's assume, for good reason, that they are correct. Right. And the only reason that you would even mention that is it's a couple of days after the attack and sometimes facts change, etc. But we're going to call it terrorism because it almost it, it clearly is. OK. Now, having said that, uh, what, what happened here? Number one, uh, it, it, to, this is the speculation part so that we're clear on it. Right. Uh, she grew up, uh, was born in Pakistan and then went to Saudi Arabia when she was 19. He uh, I'm going to be a little derisive here, but. I think I'm allowed with somebody who just killed 14 people and shot sure. uh, and injured 21. He did a mail order bride, uh, but from Fatwa Valley. Okay, he got it from uh, Saudi Arabia. That's a a term that some people use uh, in regards to Saudi Arabia because it's well deserved because of people like this, right? And uh, overall, Saudi government uh, pr promoting Wahhabism. So 
I think that she radicalized him. He was born and raised here, right? Uh, now, that part is total speculation. Now, second part of the speculation. Uh, they um, were heavily armed, uh, heavily prepared. That's not speculation. That's an absolute fact. So that leads you to believe that they were planning a terrorist attack anyway, right? They had bombs. You don't make bombs unless you're planning a terrorist attack, right? So uh, on the other hand, I really think Wes Clark, in addition that we did uh, on Old School, uh, Ben, uh, yeah. Wes and I did, really nailed it. They're probably preparing for a bigger terrorist attack because that's usually what they do, Paris, New York. They're, they're 60 miles from L.A. They're probably going to go to L.A., do some sort of spectacular attack, and that's why they have the pipe bombs. And then that Farouk guy in the middle of that holiday party got pissed. And there are a couple of witnesses that say, yeah, he stormed out, right? And there are now reports that he used to get into some religious arguments with one of the poor guys that he killed, a, an observant Jew who had made a case against ISIS, etc. cetera, uh, obviously proven right, right? And, uh, and that pissed off uh, Farouk, apparently back in the day, not on that day. But think about the irony of that, Farouk being like, you're wrong about how violent ISIS is, and I'll murder you to show it, right? I wonder if that's going to hurt Cenk's relationship with AJ+, Plus, Al Jazeera+, Plus, that is. They have a partnership with the Young Turks, and they also have a policy that they don't like to use the word terrorist. But anyway, good for Cenk, but I suppose we shouldn't get too ahead of ourselves. It might very well only be a matter of time before he reverts back to false equivalencies and chiding histrionics. Uh, I should mention that he did have one of his no-one-calls-white-people-terrorist fits recently, during which he claimed no-one-called-Timothy-McVeigh a terrorist. I'll play the clip. The shooter in, in the Planned Parenthood case had a significant weapon. It was directed at the cops. It shot the cops. It killed the cops. Okay, so uh, let's also note for the record that now uh, abortion, so-called pro-life terrorists have killed more cops than all Black Lives Matter activists combined. That number is zero, right? Mm -hmm. And so yeah. if Fox News and the right wing is still pretending to care about cops, then they should be livid about the radical Christian terrorists in, in this country yeah. who've killed infinitely more cops than any black activist, right? So to which point, by the way, on that point, why won't they call it by its name? Mm -hmm. Radical Christian terrorism. I mean, how can we solve the problem if they won't even name it? <laughs> I noticed right? that uh, Obama did not use that term, showing weakness, I think, and a lack of leadership <laughs> in not identifying it. That's right, because I, we can't do anything until they say it. Say it. Yeah. Say it. Say radical Christian terrorists. Why won't you say it? You know what these guys are? Christian apologists. Right? Yeah. That's what they are. Look, last thing I'm going to say here uh, is that to, to the point you guys were discussing, what could a white Christian do to be called terrorism? To, or to be Christian terrorism? Yeah, to, for, it to be, for it to be called terrorism, right? So, for example... Brevik killed over 80 people in Norway. Mm. They almost never refer to him as a terrorist, right? I mean, if you, and it was a political ideology. He yeah. had a manifesto. He killed all these people because of his anti-Muslim hatred. And it's based on a religion and politics. He yeah. kills 80 people. They're kids, most of them. Like, not usually referred to as a terrorist. That's the only case where some might ever call yeah. him a terrorist, but I'm not sure I've ever seen it, I right? I mean, blowing up a government building... 
I think that generally. No, but McVeigh, I mean, now if you challenge people and you put them on the spot, they might say McVeigh was a terrorist. Back then, they never called really? him a terrorist. Okay. Really? They Boy, never I'm... called him a terrorist. Wow. So no one ever called Tim McVeigh a terrorist. And I'll apologize ahead of time to my audio-only listeners, because in the YouTube version, I'm going to show a Time magazine cover with Timothy McVeigh on it. And what does it say in big, bold letters? The face of terror. I was pretty young when the Oklahoma City bombing took place, and I think it was one of the first times I heard the term domestic terrorist. So plenty of people considered Tim McVeigh a terrorist. And I have no dog in this fight other than being on the side that doesn't want innocent people getting blown up. So I don't care what color your skin is or what religion or ethnicity you are. If you're blowing up innocent people, killing innocents in the name of your man-made religion or some other ideology, you're a terrorist. I'm the first one to call an abortion clinic bomber a terrorist. But still, if we're going to be keeping score, at this point in time, the majority of acts of terrorism are perpetrated by Muslim extremists. Of course, once in a while, what we could rightfully call a Christian terrorist, like the recent Planned Parenthood shooter, will crawl out from under some rock. Or we can go back into recent history and look at the uh, IRA, for example, and find examples of white Christian terrorists. But at this point in time, uh, overwhelmingly, as I said, the, the lion's share of acts of terrorism are being disproportionately perpetrated by Muslim extremists. ISIS, Al-Qaeda, uh, Boko Haram, uh, these are all Muslim terrorist groups. And no matter how PC you want to be, there's no getting around that. And on a side note, I'm a big Sam Harris fan, but I couldn't help but wonder in the, in the wake of the recent Planned Parenthood attack if he'll now have to retire his joke about libs having to go back to the 1990s or whatever it is to find an example of Christian terrorism. And before you unleash hell on me, uh, as I said, I actually am a Sam Harris fan. I'm just having a bit of fun. As serious as acts of Christian terrorism are when they occur... Uh, such as an abortion clinic bombing, or I don't know if this counts as Christian terrorism, but in the case of, say, a Tim McVeigh, as awful as those things are when they occur, I still think Sam Harris's point about the disparity in the numbers still stands. But regarding TYT, lest you think I'm leveling criticisms at them out of blind hatred... It's actually quite the contrary. Like a lot of people, I started off as a longtime TYT fan or viewer and got turned off when I noticed the sudden change in tone concerning stories regarding acts of Islamic terrorism. Instead of just reporting the facts and condemning the actions of the terrorists themselves, they would shift the emphasis on seemingly trying to guilt the audience or whoever it was they thought they were specifically addressing. Jenk especially would do so in a very heavy-handed way, affecting a very combative tone and engaging in what, for the lack of a better term, I would call Muslim apologetics. Drawing false equivalencies to Christianity, etc. Instead of saying, another terrorist attack, terrorism's bad, knock it off, 
Uh, to put it simply, he'd instead goad the viewer by arguing angrily that Muslims were being treated unfairly, and the view of the perpetrator would be different, perhaps, less severe or less racially tinged if the terrorists were white and Christian. And of course it goes without saying that Islam is not a race. But I guess the point I'm trying to make is that instead of just condemning the terrorist actions, he's instead trying to chide everyone for supposedly treating Muslims like the quote-unquote other, which I think is distasteful. To me, the emphasis should be on the heinous nature of the terrorist acts and on showing respect for the victims. I could definitely understand if he wanted to good-naturedly remind everyone while doing one of these stories, that of course not all Muslims are bad. Please don't go outside and lynch your Muslim neighbors because something ISIS did on the other side of the globe or what a couple of radicalized scumbags did here at home. That would be more than fine to me. It's something I would say. But I think what people, including myself, resent is the overly combative tone, the way he seems to confront and talk down to the viewer even if his message is meant for someone else. But enough about Jank. I didn't plan on talking about the Young Turks uh, again to this extent. I guess I'll move on to taking another look at the ongoing clash between AIU and The Amazing Atheist. So if you're simply a podcast listener and you're not familiar with all this YouTube atheist drama, AIU stands for Atheism is Unstoppable. The channel of YouTuber Devin Tracy, a.k.a. Atheist Drew, a moniker owed to the fact that his mascot, for lack of a better term, is a kangaroo. Now, AIU and I actually had a minor disagreement in the wake of my last YouTube Atheist video. I had discussed his work in a very fair and objective, perhaps lighthearted way, but it was still clear that I liked him and enjoyed his videos. And that, even if I found them over the top sometimes, they were still very entertaining, perhaps partially because they can be kind of over the top or in your face. And in fairness, who's actually a really nice guy, he even included the clip of me talking about him in a montage. Unfortunately, his minions, also known as Flying Monkeys, misconstrued his intent and in droves came to my channel and downvoted one of my videos. But there were a lot of his viewers who said, wait, man, did you guys actually watch this? This is actually a pro Roo video. Collateral damage and all that. So in fairness to the Flying Monkeys, a good deal of them ended up being really good people and have actually become regular viewers. So uh, once again, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. So some good did come out of it. Then Atheist Rue himself actually hopped on over and left a message uh, graciously apologizing for the overzealous behavior of his monkeys and admitted that, including me in that aforementioned montage, was meant as a show of friendship, if you will, that he thought it was clear I was friendly to his channel. But then some drama over the subject of race broke out. One of his viewers asked me a question about race via YouTube. And it was in response to my commentary on the ongoing clash between the Amazing Atheist and Devon over black crime and police shootings. I had mentioned in passing that I don't even like the concept of race and that scientifically and morally speaking, I think the, the term race is problematic. 
So the person pointed out differences in crime stats between different groups or how even if you don't believe in race, you still better be aware of what kind of neighborhood you wander into. If you have the wrong skin color, you might get your ass kicked, etc. Or something along those lines. And I agreed, not because I think we're different species or we're all that genetically different, but because of uh, human tribalism in-group, out-group kind of stuff. And I also speculated that there's probably certain social or historical causes why different groups have different crime rates. And just in passing, I mentioned things like Jim Crow, slavery, segregation, and how those things might have a kind of lasting legacy, the effects of which kind of reverberate down, you know, the generations. And that's not an excuse for crime committed by... uh, minorities or marginalized groups if you commit a serious crime you should be punished just like i'm sure there's societal or historical reasons why mexico is now overrun by drug cartels probably government corruption uh, a low standard of living things like that but that doesn't mean you forgive cartel violence all these kind of gangland uh, murders uh decapitation via chainsaw and things like that, uh, kidnappings. No, you still punish those monstrous deeds to the fullest extent of the law. It's not making an excuse. It's, it's just trying to objectively, dispassionately figure out what causes lead to those behaviors. But it's not excusing the behavior. But back to those comments I made in passing while replying to one or two of AIU's subscribers or viewers. Honestly, I was just speculating. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about race. I was only discussing it because someone else brought it up. You could have asked me about any random topic, the mating habits of koala bears or something, and I would have tried to give you, you know, a thoughtful answer. Uh, But the Rue didn't like me bringing up that stuff about slavery, etc. And he turned on a dime and referred to me, or my view on the matter, rather, as uh, a beta male stance. Like any other human with a drop of dignity, I don't like being insulted. But I felt like Rue's dig was borderline, but not enough to make me say, screw this guy, or throw the baby out with the bathwater. Maybe I'm looking for excuses or splitting hairs, you know, because I like his videos. But I was like, well, technically he referred to my stance as beta male, not me. Oh man, I'm trying to hold on to my dignity, people. Uh, But I don't hold any ill will towards Rue. Well, maybe a little. But but I still stop in to check out his videos now and again. And once in a while, I'll send him, you know, a good-natured tweet. Most recently, and this was just about a week ago, I tweeted him a link to a video of the amazing atheist apologizing for calling Rue racist. I'd like to make an apology, you know, and that's pretty rare for me. I don't make a lot of apologies, but I'm going to go ahead and make one uh, because... I've been called a racist now by Tommy Sotomayor, and uh, I think it's about time that I apologize for calling someone else racist. I called the YouTuber Atheism is Unstoppable for a racist um, because he said that black people are insanely more criminal than uh, other races and uh, black people need to stop committing crimes and things like that, and uh, while I still 
don't exactly like those statements or how they're phrased. It was irresponsible of me to pull out the racism thing and say, well, this person's a racist. Because that's really just a way to silence someone, to end the discourse. Uh, now, that wasn't my intention when I did it, but that was the effect. And I should have realized how poisonous that word is. I apologize to Atheism is Unstoppable. Uh, I hope that uh, we can move on from the pettiness and drama that that inspired. And I simply wrote, are you guys friends now? <laughs> and to put it into context, these guys have been going at each other bitterly for months now, both of them attempting to take the other down logically, but often things would devolve into ad hominem attacks. And I know if you, technically, if you defeat the person's argument before you hurl the insult, it's not technically an ad hominem. Um, but still, it would get pretty nasty. Um, Rue might call the amazing atheist a fat-ass micro-dick, and, uh, and then the amazing atheist or the drunken peasants might call Rue a racist who sounds like Napoleon Dynamite. Um, but what led TJ to apologize to Rue is that he himself recently had accusations of racism leveled against him. There's a fairly prominent YouTuber by the name of Tommy Sotomayor, or Sotomayor. I think both, and can I stop for a minute? Because Tommy Sotomayor is African-American, but isn't Sotomayor, Sotomayor, some kind of Latin last name? Um, hmm, an enigma of sorts. I think both Atheist Rue and The Drunken Peasants, the podcast The Amazing Atheist does with his brother and his friend, have played his videos before. Uh, so as I mentioned, Tommy happens to be African-American, and the drunken peasants were kind of lampooning a video he made talking about how he doesn't need sex, or he's a MGTOW, uh, meaning men going their own way or whatever. And the amazing atheist in kind of an exaggerated, stereotypical black voice said something like, I don't need anything, just bring me a watermelon or something like that. So, so Tommy Sotomayor... Uh, who seems to enjoy throwing around the epithet white boy quite a lot. These three white boys, and the three white boys' name were the drunken peasants. And white boys, white boys that are below me, white boys that are beneath me, white boys. And these three white boys, now let me say something to you white boys. Lame-ass white boys, let me explain something to you white boys. It is nice, white boy. Is that what happened, white boy? I know that hurts your feelings, white boy. White boy, had all the advantages in life, you Fuck, white boy, and I still got more than you. Now, fuck you. Well, he took offense and called the amazing atheist racist. And TJ claims his comments had nothing to do with race, and he was simply trying to imply that the joke was that the hypothetical watermelon was for Tommy to have intercourse with, and it had nothing to do with the racial stereotype of blacks eating watermelon. And I was thinking to myself, really, out of all the produce you could have chosen, you just happened to go with watermelon, not cantaloupe, not a pumpkin, not any of the other myriad fruits and vegetables ripe for intercourse. It seemed a little disingenuous, especially since the amazing atheist is usually brutally honest, both in regard to himself and others. Yeah, but I've kind of learned my lesson the hard way. It doesn't pay for me to talk about race. The cost-benefit analysis doesn't really work out in my favor. 
Like I said, I don't even really care about the subject, and yet it's so controversial, if I do talk about it, there's a good chance it's going to backfire. Case in point, I ended up making two videos or podcast episodes that I've debated deleting. A viewer, a really nice and polite person, I should say, approached me with ideas about quote-unquote race, IQ, and brain size. So I thought in a spirit of intellectual honesty, I'd research his claims and see if they had any merit. And it ended up taking me into the bizarre world of controversial research scientists, Rushton and Jensen. And as uh, Django, uh, one of my favorite YouTubers or uh, subscribers put it, and I'm paraphrasing, I ended up walking a precarious tightrope, a hair's breadth away from looking like a racist on one hand and a social justice warrior on the other. The episodes were nerve-wracking to make, so I think I'll stick to atheism, religion, debunking BS, controversial topics I actually give a damn about. But speaking about debunking BS... I mean, the person's good at debunking BS, not that I think they're full of BS and I'm going to debunk them. I want to move on to talking about someone I only mentioned quickly in passing last time, and that's Thunderfoot. At the time, I'd probably only seen a handful of his videos, so I really didn't feel like I had a good enough grasp to speak about him at at any length. But I now consider him to be one of my favorite YouTubers. And if any of my listeners happen to be Anita Sarkeesian fans, uh, I think I can imagine your groans of disapproval. Um, But what kind of baffles me is how much hate and strong negative reaction he garners. Uh, The same thing with Mr. Repsion. You have these two relatively mild-mannered guys who try to dismantle their opponent's arguments with facts and reason. And there's people out there that really get worked up about them. I think a YouTuber named Vegan Gains was caught on some kind of game chat saying he wanted to slit Mr. Repsion's throat. Uh, why wouldn't you like Repsion? Because he kind of looks like the love child of Clay Aiken and Howdy Doody. In a charming way, of course. Uh, but I'm just teasing. I actually really like Mr. Repsion, and I'm rather uh, pale myself. But back to Thunderfoot. So once again, if you're a listener of my podcast and you don't really keep up with YouTube, Thunderfoot, a.k.a. Phil Mason, is a very popular YouTuber. I think he's got about half a million subscribers. And and that's just subscribers, not views. And uh, by trade, he's a research scientist. So unlike most of us pontificating and regurgitating what are hopefully facts here on the interwebs, uh, Thunderfoot is an actual, honest-to-goodness scientist. Over the past couple of years, his videos have tended to focus on criticizing quote-unquote social justice warriors, radical feminists, uh, people like Anita Sarkeesian, etc. Now, I don't personally get too worked up over the whole militant feminism versus MRA thing, but I do like the logical way that Thunderfoot dismantles the claims and arguments of people like Sarkeesian. And I think most of the hate of Thunderfoot comes from Anita Sarkeesian supporters in the so-called SJWs. He even had someone who goes by the name Laughing Witch uh, recently write to his employer uh, trying to get him fired, basically claiming he was a racist, a Nazi, (laughs) demonizing him, 
um, in numerous ways. But that backfired horribly on her. Thunderfoot still has his job, and her and her husband's business got trashed via negative Yelp reviews. Um, I guess in a way I can understand how you might not like him if you or your ideology is the target of his criticism. That's only human nature, but his arguments are usually pretty sound and well-reasoned. So either agree that he has a point and called you on your BS, or if you genuinely think he's wrong, come up with a solid counter-argument. You know, but don't try to get the guy fired just because he does a good job of debunking your BS. And there's another YouTuber who identifies as a feminist named Jenny McDermott, and she actually not too long ago mocked the fact that Thunderfoot's dad was dying of cancer. He's now passed, and... I just thought that was bottom-of-the-barrel stuff, and I remember she said something in the wake of that that I found distasteful as well. She was catching flack for talking uh, smack about Thunderfoot's dad, and she did a couple of disastrous uh, damage control <laughs> videos. In one of them, she was very coldly saying something like, and I'm paraphrasing, well, people die, that's what happens. And she went on like that in this very kind of cold, passive-aggressive way. And I remember thinking, yeah, no kidding, people die. We're atheists, we get that. But still, if you're a decent person, you talk about the death of someone's loved one with compassion and humanity. You don't just say, oh, well, suck it up, you know? So, ugly stuff. And speaking of the the level of vitriol that Thunderfoot garners, there was um, one YouTuber who I think goes by the name Hannibal the Victor, or Hannibal the Victor with a uh, series of numbers after it, some kind of alphabet soup. And this guy was a hardcore Anita Sarkeesian supporter. And he's kind of this big potato-shaped guy. <laughs> And I think it was pretty funny. One time Thunderfoot did like a side-by-side -side comparison. He put Hannibal the Victor's avatar, which was this really cool illustration of this kind of hyper-muscular, classically handsome Carthaginian warrior. He put that side-by-side -side with an actual picture of Hannibal the Victor, which is this basically this potato with double chins and uh, spectacles. Uh, I know I probably sound like a dick, but um, I, mem I remember this guy was so mad that Thunderfoot had dared to criticize Anita Sarkeesian that he issued this really creepy response to Thunderfoot, this kind of threat where he's saying, I will dick you over if it's the last thing I do. And he was quoting uh, Melville, I guess this is in Moby Dick, uh, something about... Um, from the heart of hell I stabbeth thee, or something like that. But just really kind of over-the-top, creepy stuff. But I think Hannibal the Victor might be gone from YouTube. I think he got bagged for some kind of uh, rather serious offense um, involving a minor. So I don't know how much I want to get into that, because whatever I think about the guy, I don't know all the details about the case, so... And once again, for you guys who listen to my audio-only podcast and, and you're not big on YouTube, uh, Anita Sarkeesian is this feminist video game critic who really shot to fame uh, not that long ago, maybe a, maybe a few years back or something like that, for her criticism of what she saw as sexism in uh, both video games and uh, the video game industry. 
And when I did an episode on Gamergate, I went pretty easy on her and I gave her the benefit of the doubt because at the time I did that episode, I knew next to nothing about uh, Anita Sarkeesian and Gamergate. I knew just enough to do that episode. But in the interim, I've learned significantly more about her and I really do not care for her. I don't think she's a very honest person from what I can tell. And I mean that in a couple ways, just straight out, perhaps dishonest, not necessarily being truthful about the facts at times, and also intellectually dishonest. There's my chihuahua snoring in the background, like a nine-pound dog that can make the house quake. One thing that I find intellectually dishonest about her is she'll call video games sexist, and she'll say that if a female video game character is too overtly sexy, showing cleavage, scantily dressed, um, or, or if, you know, they're portrayed as being too submissive, or if they're a damsel waiting to be saved, that's sexist. But if a woman is tough and can take care of herself and fight her way out of a tough situation, that's sexist because... I forget the exact wording she uses. I'm paraphrasing. You know, she basically says that's just basically a man with boobs. That um, it's just basically putting the skin of a female over a typical macho character. So that's sexist, too. You know, then she'll say if, if uh, a character is too busty, then that's sexist because the character is hypersexualized or whatever. And if the character's not busty enough, that's also sexist. And that once again goes to her idea that strong female video game characters are really just kind of stereotypical male characters in disguise. And I think she even said this of that prequel to Tomb Raider that came out not that long ago, where they kind of revamped the Lara Croft character. Even if you're not a gamer, you probably know who Lara Croft is. We probably all remember the old Tomb Raider games. And back in the day when Tomb Raider first came out, graphics weren't that advanced. Everything still looked kind of geometrical and, uh, you know, and kind of cartoony. But in the prequel that came out, I don't know if it's simply entitled Tomb Raider. I think I have it on my Mac. Yeah, it's just called Tomb Raider. And the graphics are really good in that game. And like most modern games, the characters look very realistic. And instead of this big-boobed, hyper-sexualized Lara Croft, they have this more realistic-looking female character, still very pretty and very feminine, but with more realistic proportions. And she still has something of an hourglass figure, but, you know, her clothing isn't as revealing and whatnot. And I think Sarkeesian went after that game, saying that Lara Croft in that game was basically like a male character in disguise and that she was too flat or something to that effect. I believe she said that. So it's like you can't win if the character is too sexualized. And what the heck does that mean? You know, showing cleavage or that they have a kind of sexy body type. Um, well, I hate to break it to you, you know, real women come in all different body shapes and some women do naturally have an hourglass figure. Some women are busty, uh, you know, and I don't think that's something all women have a problem with because there are plenty 
of female video game and anime fans who go to conventions cosplaying as some of these sexy, you know, anime and video game characters. So if the woman's too scantily dressed, if her proportions are too ample, shall we say, that's sexist, that's misogynistic. But if the character has more modest physical proportions and she's kind of tough and takes care of herself, then that's still sexist because supposedly the character is somehow a man in disguise. So I, I just don't get it. It smacks of intellectual dishonesty to me. It sounds like she wants to have her cake and eat it too. And there's actually a term she uses that I find oddly offensive. I don't know why, but okay, I'm a guy and uh, obviously, or that I'm a woman with an extremely deep baritone voice. Um, and I'm not prudish by any stretch of the imagination. But she uses the term, okay, I'm about to swear, I'm going to drop an F-bomb. So if you're one of my fans who gets easily offended, uh, maybe fast forward uh, about a, you know, a minute into the future <laughs> or um, just cover your ears. But she calls attractive, kick-ass female video game characters fighting fuck toys. So even if the female character is very powerful and strong and proactive and uh, she can kick the crap out of, you know, a horde of male enemies. Um, if she's easy on the eye, she's just a fighting fuck toy. And I think I find that offensive as a guy. Because, I, I mean, not like I have to defend the honor of a fictional character made of pixels or something. But you know, when I'm playing a video game like Bayonetta or if I'm playing Resident Evil and I'm, I'm playing the Jill Valentine character or whatever it is, and often a lot of games that I play, I do happen to play female characters. Um, even when I play online role-playing games, I'll often make a female character just because I think they're more aesthetically appealing than some of the kind of dopey, overly rugged male character designs or whatever. I get into the character. I get into the game and the challenge of the game. I don't sit there going, oh, wow, you know, look at <laughs> look at the body on Jill Valentine. Or, oh, man, would I like to take Bayonetta to bed, you know? Um, yeah, they are attractive characters, but my main focus is the game. It's not on fantasizing about the female character. And often the female characters have very fleshed out storylines. They have their own unique personalities. And no matter what your gender is, you find yourself identifying with the character and the plight they're in. It's almost like you step into the character's uh, shoes and that makes the game even more compelling because their plight becomes your plight or whatever. And then just the idea of looking at women as quote-unquote fuck toys. And this is probably the most I've ever dropped the F-bomb in the history of this show. When I see a, a woman I'm really attracted to in real life, even if I find myself sexually fantasizing about her, I don't consider her a fuck toy. I consider her a real human being that I'm attracted to and would like to have a sexual relationship with, but I still recognize that she's a real human being with thoughts and feelings equal to myself, you know? And hell, even if I'm looking at quote-unquote adult entertainment, you know, I'm looking at a porn star or something online, I still realize, as attractive as the person is, uh, that they're not some puppet 
they're a real human being. Um, and I'm not going to get into a whole philosophical and ethical discussion about pornography, what I think about it, are the people in the movies being exploited or not. I'm not going to get into that. And uh, I've looked at my fair share of uh, <clears throat> adult entertainment, shall we say. And I I've never thought, no matter how much I've indulged my fantasies, shall we say, or you know, enjoyed looking at these women... I've never thought that that's all they are. The only thing they're good for is sex. I know that they're real human beings. So that whole fuck toy thing just offends me. And even uh, the infamous P.Z. Myers, um, who I'll get to uh, again in a little bit, at a, uh, a skeptic or atheist conference once used that term. Uh, he was talking about you know misogyny or sexism in the quote-unquote atheist community. And he said, how are we going to view women? Are they fuck toys and eye candy? Or are they equal partners with us in this endeavor? You know, And I just thought it's insulting to even have to bring that up. Because I'm sure there's, in every community, there's a handful of misogynistic pigs or whatever. But I, I would say most men are fully aware of the fact that women are human beings who deserve respect, and they're they're not just eye candy or toys for your amusement. And it was just really odd hearing P.Z. Myers, you know, bring that kind of thing up. And one more thing on Sarkeesian. Another thing that really gets under my skin about her, and this ties into the whole dishonesty thing, I think in one video she claimed that she was a gamer or begged her parents for, uh, like, a Nintendo system or something when she was a little kid. But then, later on, in another video where she's basically sitting or standing by a mountain of games that she claims are just for, you know, research. Because I think she earned something like 160000 or something like that through some kind of crowdfunding thing to make more of her videos on sexism and video games or whatever. And she claims in that video that she's not a gamer and, in fact, she had to buy all those games just to do research so she could do her video series. So you have this person that's kind of raining on everyone's parade. <laughs> You know, the school marm telling everyone they shouldn't be playing video games or telling people that their games need to be reformed because they're too sexist. And she's not even a gamer, you know? I think it's good to fight for women's rights, but why not find another way to do it, you know, where you focus on something you're passionate about and where you can actually enact real change instead of criticizing games when you're not even a gamer. I mean, whatever sexism there may or may not be in certain video games, is it really so bad that that's where you need to focus your attention as a feminist? Though I'll kind of try to tread lightly here because I don't know all the facts about this, but and this isn't supposedly, this is true. When she was in her early 20s, she was involved with these BS 
kind of infomercial seminar things. And there's video floating around of her promoting these BS uh, seminars. And I think, according to what I've read, she was also involved, not necessarily romantically, but as a, you know, a business partner or worked for or she was associated with some guy that basically, and this is different than the other uh, infomercials or seminar scam things, but involved with some kind of sleazy guy that did seminars to try to teach guys how to get into women's pants or something. And of course, you could always say, even if that's true, well, maybe she saw the light or maybe that helped her see the light and she wanted to get away from that and, and do something good for women. And I'd be open to believing that. Uh, but the fact that she was involved with all those seminars and, and those type of things, it makes you wonder if she didn't learn how to become an expert BS artist along the way. And uh, it makes you wonder how much of this whole thing is an act. Because uh, there are times when I watch her and the, the weird way she just stares dead-eyed at the camera. I wonder how sincere she is, how much of it is a put-on or is maybe contrived. On the other hand, I know she really did study the works of different prominent feminists. And I think there's people on YouTube, I think Sargon and others, who've actually researched some of the prominent feminists that have supposedly influenced her. So who knows? Hey, she might be a true believer to some extent. But there's still something about her whole persona and uh, her agenda, the videos that she puts out, that almost smells like a BS scam to me or has this air of intellectual dishonesty. But, you know, who knows? Uh, (laughs) Just kind of laughing to myself because this episode, to be honest, is partially scripted. And my iPad auto-corrected Thunderfoot to Tenderfoot. But anyway, uh, no love lost between Thunderfoot and people like PZ Myers and Richard Carrier. In fact, I used to admire Richard Carrier. I'm not completely sold on the whole Christ myth um, theory, but I still nevertheless found, or is it a hypothesis? But, But nevertheless, I still found him to be a highly intelligent scholar with vast knowledge of the ancient world and early Christianity. But it was hard for me to maintain my respect after reading some of his juvenile, cringe-inducing blog posts or watching uh, clips of him spewing politically correct newspeak at a skeptics conference. And I'll, I'll play a clip. This is actually from a Thunderfoot video, so at times you'll hear Thunderfoot's commentary mixed in. We're going to be atheists, plus we care about social justice. We're going to be atheists, plus we support women's rights. We're going to be atheists, plus we protest racism. Atheists plus we fight homophobia and transphobia. Atheists plus we use critical thinking and skepticism. Well, it's nice to see you didn't completely forget about critical thinking in that list. But it's a very arse-backwards way of listing it, as most sensible people start out as critical thinkers. And because of that methodology, that results in them becoming atheists. Sexist and demeaning remarks being a lot of other sexist and uh, the harassment of intensified harassment. Far more harassment, far more harassment and abuse, sustained sexual harassment, sexually harassing remarks. And targeted by this harassment, I advocated that we adopt at least three basic moral values. 
Uh, and I, I spelled them out, I explained them in detail, and those were compassion, integrity, and reasonableness. And no sooner had I done this than I was accused of being Hitler, Stalin, and I was accused of starting a religious cult and various other things. <laughs> you were just sitting there advocating for compassion, integrity, and reasonableness, and people compare you to Stalin and Hitler? <laughs> you don't think that sounds a little far-fetched, that there might be something more to the story? Well, let's take a look at your post of compassion, integrity, and reasonableness, shall we? Don't assume that because someone else did that, that it's covered and you can give it a mess. No, we need to show numbers. So speak out wherever you see these two sides at loggerheads and voice your affiliation so it's clear how many of us there are against them. And this is very much a us versus them situation. The compassionate versus the vile. You can't sit on the fence on this one. In a free society, apathy is an endorsement of villainy. Actually, Richard, that looks more like pointlessly divisive, emotional blackmail to me. You know, agree with me or you're a evil, vile subhuman. But that's not divisive now, is it? That does not make me a religionist or a cultist or anything like that. It doesn't make me divisive either. It Richard continues not being divisive. I call everyone now to pick sides, not in comments here, but publicly via Facebook and other social media. Are you with us? or with them? Only a Sith deals in absolutes. Are you with us or with them? Either you are with us or you are with the terrorists. Are you part of the Atheism Plus movement or are you gonna stick with Atheism Less? Then at least we will know who to work with and who to avoid. Yes, this is straight out of Scientology, Richard. You want to declare people suppressive persons and disconnect from them. So yes, what you are suggesting is very cult-like. Yes, it does. Atheism Plus is our movement. We will not consider you part of it. We will not work with you. We will not befriend you. We will herefore denounce you as the irrational, immoral scum you are, if such you are. If you reject these values, then you are no longer one of us. And we will say so publicly and repeatedly. You are hereby disowned. And then, of course, you show your real intentions when someone merely says, I'll stick with the original atheism, thanks. And you respond, so, one vote for douchery. Got it. Why? <laughs> because you think the future of atheism is in these McCarthy-esque witch hunts. Disowning people who declare their refusal to be compassionate, honest, or reasonable. I mean, if they stalwartly say, we reject your moral values, I'm going to disown those people and I'm going to say so and making it more appealing to minorities. Uh, but also, what do Hispanic or Black or Filipino atheists want to discuss with the wider atheist community? So, I think atheist organizations should take note of this, uh, and many already have. I think American atheists already gets it. This will grow your membership and financial support. If we were going to talk about social justice issues, I, I know lots of people who would be here right now uh, if we talked about that more. And so that's, that's an example of where I think there is a market demographic out there that we're not tapping, and we could be tapping it. There are more actual and potential atheists who don't join our organizations or go to our meetings because they are bored, they're bored with constantly hearing about God or religion all the time, or church-state separation all the time, or pseudoscience all the time. You're a moron. 
So even though I don't like to think of myself as part of any community, I'm just someone who happens to have an atheistic worldview. The stuff about appealing to minorities, I actually don't have a, a problem with. I think whatever type of group or community uh, you have, it's I think it's the right and ethical thing to have an open door to like-minded people of any skin color. Um, I don't think that should even be a factor. But what really offends me, and it's probably the thing I find most outrageous out of all the things Carrier said, is this idea when he starts getting into ways to raise your bottom line and create a more broader appeal and you know bring more money in. And this idea of trying to attract people who might be bored or sick of hearing about atheism and religion and skepticism and pseudoscience. Well, people should be attracted to something, you know, attracted to a topic because they're passionate about it. If you're claiming to be running an atheist organization or an organization that promotes critical thinking and skepticism, why are you trying to attract people who find the concept of religion and pseudoscience and things like that boring? Why do you want those people as a part of your organization? Or why are you worried about trying to attract them unless all you care about is growing numbers and money? It kind of reminds me when you know the History Channel or Discovery realized they could gain a bigger audience if they just flushed their integrity down the toilet and start churning out reality shows and uh, shows like Ancient Aliens, etc. I mean, what does it say about you if you have to focus away from your core agenda or beliefs? in order to try to grow your quote-unquote community. I just find something incredibly distasteful about that. And if you're not familiar, the ironically named Free Thought Blogs is an atheist website slash forum associated with something called Atheism Plus, and it's basically an attempt to merge atheism with social justice. And social justice sounds pretty good, right? Um, I'm all for fighting for equality and parity, and the fair treatment and respect of others. Uh, but I'm a free thinker. I came to my atheist worldview on my own, and I don't want anyone trying to tell me how I should define my atheism or what politically correct baggage I should be bundling it up with. So I think the intention is good, but there's something creepy and Orwellian uh, about it, something that smacks of groupthink. And it's funny, they tout themselves as being proponents of tolerance, and yet anyone who doesn't toe the PC line either gets berated or chased away. So, But Thunderfoot really won my respect when I went back recently and watched some of his early videos. 
Thunderfoot versus the SJWs thing is a relatively recent development. The lion's share of his old videos actually focus on debunking creationism and pseudoscience. Some of his targets include the infamous Venom Fang X, a YouTuber who is kind of like the Doogie Hauser of Young Earth creationism. Not in that he's some brilliant prodigy, he isn't. Just in the sense that he looks like he's 12. And also Kent Hovind, who was a really prominent Christian apologist and proponent of young earth creationism until he got put away for tax fraud. He was behind bars for a while, but he finally got out not too long ago. But the way Thunderfoot blew their arguments out of the water was absolutely amazing. They'd make some half-cocked claim and he'd just destroy it with scientific facts. I'll actually play a couple of examples. Scientists have been desperately trying to find water on other planets. However, the search is futile. Well, not really. There was the Mars Global Surveyor probe, which has found evidence that water has been flowing on Mars within the last five years. Then, of course, there's the Mars Express probe, which has taken pictures of water ice on Mars and revealed massive deposits of water ice under the Martian poles. Then there's the Cassini-Huygens probe that has taken pictures of water ice on Titan. Three of the four large Jovian moons are composed mostly of water. It is likely that Europa has oceans under the frozen surface created by tidal heating from Jupiter, similarly with Ganymede and Callisto. Almost all the moons of Saturn, Uranus and Neptune are ice balls too, as are most of the comets. It's difficult to contrive that anyone could make a more uneducated statement on the status of water in the solar system than Scientists have been desperately trying to find water on other planets. However, the search is futile. Many folks don't realize, though, we're getting x-rayed by the sun right now. The sun's x-rays are coming right through that roof, right through your body, and blowing you full of holes inside the building. Except on cloudy days, because water stops x-rays. Uh, no. Actually, clouds are about as effective as stopping x-rays as tissue paper is at stopping artillery shells. The young earth creationist displaying the jaw-dropping stupidity and world-class ignorance is the convicted fraudster Kent Hovind. This man's claims to have taught high school science for 15 years and to have a PhD simply have no credibility given his utter lack of knowledge of even the most rudimentary scientific principles. Except on cloudy days because water stops x-rays. X-ray absorption takes place in the electrons of the atoms. To a reasonable approximation, all atoms are about the same size, so an atom's ability to absorb X-rays essentially scales with the number of electrons, or atomic number, of that nucleus. Light elements such as hydrogen and oxygen, the elemental components of water, are lousy at absorbing X-rays compared to the heavy nuclei such as lead, gold, mercury, etc. The second factor that needs to be considered is the number of nuclei in the X-ray's path. Solids and liquids typically have number densities, that's the number of nuclei per unit volume, about a thousand times higher than those of gases. This is why when dealing with X-rays, shielding usually comes in the form of solid lead bricks, because they have a high number density of a high Z nuclei. No sane man would trust to the low Z nuclei of water and the low number density of a water aerosol for X-ray shielding. But let us just look how stupid Hoven's suggestion is that you get a reduced X-ray exposure on cloudy days. Atmospheric pressure corresponds to about 1 metre of mercury, or 10 metres of water. To a first degree approximation, both of these provide approximately the same degree of X-ray shielding. 
Now a thundercloud can hold up to about 4 inches, that's about 10 centimetres of water. This means that when standing under the biggest rain cloud you have about a 10.1 metre equivalent of water shielding compared to about 10 metres on a sunny day. Your cosmic radiation dose is reduced by about 1%. Hoven's ignorance can be further highlighted by putting this in the context of the background radiation we are exposed to every day of our lives. Cosmic radiation, most of which comes from the sun, supplies about 10% of the background radiation. This means that your exposure to the background radiation is reduced by about one part in a thousand when you are under a large rain cloud. So what do you do? How do you argue against facts? I actually think those early Thunderfoot videos transcend mere entertainment. I think he was doing really important work both by educating the public about science and debunking pseudoscience. I guess what caused him to make the shift over to the anti-Sarkeesian slash SJW's videos was the deleterious effect that he saw political correctness having on the so-called skeptic slash atheist community. And I think I neglected to mention earlier while talking about Richard Carrier that Thunderfoot had some direct dealings with uh, free thought blogs and people like Carrier and uh, P.Z. Myers. In fact, as Thunderfoot tells it, I believe he was kind of courted or wooed over to free thought blogs back in the day and asked to write for them. But when he refused to toe the overly PC party line, they ousted him. So, uh, as I was saying, no love lost between uh, Thunderfoot and P.Z. Myers and Richard Carrier. All right, so now I guess in the spirit of fairness or objectivity, is there anything I disagree with Thunderfoot about? Well, I went back in, in one of his early kind of uh, anti-militant you know, militant feminism videos. I think in passing, he mentioned something about maybe how he wasn't crazy about Penn Gillette, uh, which I didn't really understand because... Uh, I guess a lot of people find Penn Gillette obnoxious, uh, which is one of the things I actually really like about him. I love his big, boisterous, over-the-top personality, and he uses that personality to deliver a message uh, that I think most of us uh, atheists or non-believers would, uh, would agree with. Some of his appearances on The Celebrity Apprentice were a little cringe-inducing, uh, but the producers of that show seem to make everyone look like a douche, so... And then he recently lost an excessive amount of weight and he kind of looks like a deflated Sharpe. Uh, but that's not nice. I shouldn't make fun of appearances. But still, Pendulette, I think just a, a great entertainer, a great voice for reason, you know, a funny guy. And in the same episode, in the same breath, perhaps, Thunderfoot also, I, I think, called Hitchens uh, something like a pasty headed slug or something <laughs> and Hitchens is one of my favorite people so I didn't really get that but maybe Thunderfoot was just kidding I might not agree with Pendulette on everything but damn I would far rather have one obnoxious loudmouth like him than a thousand PC whiners who waste everyone's time making sure that no one is ever offended Oh, give me one pasty but big-hitting slug like Hitchens than a thousand well-groomed faux intellectuals like Carrier. Because let's face it, if this movement is to die, it's far more likely to be bled to death by the bite of a thousand talentless parasites, all to the soundtrack of the bleating of a thousand professional victims, led by those who are too neurotic and too fearful to make decisions for fear of offending 
anyone rather than the bold, clear, and insightful statement of those who really don't give a fuck about those who rush to the fainting couch because someone said a naughty word. If you base the design of planes on science, they fly. Um, if you base the design of rockets on science, they reach the moon. It works. Bitches. <laughs> okay, so that was obviously Dawkins at the end there. So uh, upon closer inspection, it, it sounds like he's saying a big hitting slug like Hitchens, not a big headed slug. So slightly better, I suppose. And I should say he later did a response video defending Hitchens after Sarkeesian, right after Christopher Hitchens' death, uh, was calling him a sexist and um, calling him this and that. And I thought in that video, Thunderfoot did a great job of defending Christopher Hitchens. And maybe I'll play a clip from that. Sometimes I feel this like double-edged sword because I'm very careful about what I say, right? I'm very careful about, I spent hours trying to compose a tweet, like. Nah, for Anita, she was quite happy to see this about the formidable Christopher Hitchens about two days after he died. Yeah, smearing a man who's been dead for only about two days by calling him a racist, a sexist, and a warmonger. But that wouldn't be harassment now, would it, Anita? Oh, but if someone points out that you lied through your teeth in your video series, oh, that's outrageous criti- Sorry, sorry, that's outrageous harassment. But oh, if someone blames feminist actions for feminist PR problem, that's gotta be hatred of women. That's That's gotta be misogyny. Good news for you, Anita. Hitchens will achieve more while dead than you will ever achieve by being alive. If you want to get good people to do wicked things, you need religion. What do I mean by that? I mean to say that who, when they see a newborn baby arriving in their life, if anyone's ever thought, even myself, well, maybe there is something to this. Look at the, look at the perfection of this little bundle. But, but they, I tell you what, though, before we go any further, we need to get a sharp knife or a stone from somewhere and start hacking away at the genitalia of this little bundle. Because if we don't, we uh, won't be doing God's will. Now, where is... No moral person would do such a thing unless they thought it was divinely warranted. Is it not the case that the spread of Christianity, about which you spoke so warmly and effectively in your opening remarks, attributing it to... It's in the innate truth of the Bible story. Was spread by that means or because the Emperor Constantine decided to make Christianity the official religion of the Roman Empire? Which, in your view, contributed more to the spread of the faith? Uh, the Holy Spirit. I rest my case. <laughs> I think he makes a great point. You know, Christopher Hitchens will do more dead than Anita Sarkeesian and her ilk will accomplish in their lifetime. And I actually believe that, you know, in the grand scheme of things, Hitchens was a prolific author and thinker, a proponent for reason and critical thinking. I don't like to think of myself as part of a movement, but for lack of a better term, I, I think he was a real champion for the movement. He was so eloquent and yet at the same time so forceful in his arguments, you know, uh, offered no quarter to his opponents, just an amazing guy. And I also liked his dry wit. And I know some people thought he was arrogant. And I always thought that was people 
who maybe didn't get his dry British wit or get how comfortable the guy was in his skin. And I think the more you watch and listen to Hitchens, the more his humanity shows through. And the more you can see that, the reason why he would get so perturbed and offended by religion was because of his humanist views and how much he actually cared about human dignity and affronts to human dignity. Yeah, but I I think Anita Sarkeesian shit-talking Christopher Hitchens, it almost literally turns my stomach. But what else? What else? Oh, yeah, I think it's not that often I disagree with Thunderfoot. Um, And I wouldn't say I necessarily disagreed, but maybe I'm a bit more cautious before passing judgment. It has to do with this whole Ms. You thing. Uh, Remember with the... um, the young black protesters uh, protesting what they saw as kind of institutional racism on campus there. And recently, Thunderfoot did a kind of scathing video taking on the protesters. And I don't necessarily disagree with him, but I just personally don't know all the facts. I think he was saying, he was trying to say that there really wasn't much evidence that there was any kind of institutional racism going on at that campus and that the protesters were kind of overreacting. That's that's the sense I got. And I know, I think I heard Sargon talking about this story too, in that there, there were supposedly two incidents that helped to spark this thing. One was supposedly, you know, some jerk in a pickup truck drove by and called some students the N-word. And then there was a really, I mean, I know I'm really testing the patience of my uh, listeners who don't like swearing and graphic language and whatnot, but there was a, a story about someone who basically went into the bathroom and drew a swastika out of human feces. And this isn't just something going around online. I, CNN and the mainstream news channels were talking about this too. Such a weird thing to hear uh, on the mainstream news. And it sounded like Thunderfoot was, was kind of saying maybe, or Sargon, that though it was like those were the two incidents th- that were the catalyzing force that um, sparked, you know, these protests or whatever. And if that's the case, then I agree with Sargon and Thunderfoot that, you know, the, the school can't stop someone from scrawling, uh, you know, a crude symbol w- with their excrement. Or the school can't stop someone who might not even be a student from driving by and yelling something out of their truck. So if that's the truth, then I do agree with them. But if there is more of an established pattern of racism on campus and the administration was failing to do anything about it or turning a deaf ear, then I could understand the protests. You know, then I could understand what's going on. But let's say, you know, for sake of argument, there really wasn't a systemic racism going on and they got what was it was it the dean they got fired uh the the protesters basically blocked the uh the car of a school official and um and we're asking him why he hasn't done more to curb racism on campus etc i'm actually looking at a usa today article and it was the president tim wolf who uh stepped down and the chancellor of the flagship campus, R. Bowen Lofton. So let's say, like I said, if for the sake of argument, there there was some kind of real pattern of, of racism on campus and someone could have done something about it, but they didn't, then I could see trying to get the guy fired. Then I could see 
protesting. But if this guy is just a scapegoat on the altar of political correctness, and the only thing that went down was the, the poo swastika, as Sargon calls it. Really like Sargon, too, is another uh, atheist YouTuber. And um, some stranger yelling the N-word. Um, then I think that would be a heinous miscarriage of justice to make someone step down from their job. So I don't have all the facts. And it probably would have been good if I researched them before doing this episode. But hey, here I am. Um, so I feel like I can't fully speak to what's going on at Ms. U about that. So uh, the, uh, the jury's still kind of out for me. But one thing that I can't excuse is the behavior of a professor by the name of Melissa Click, I think it is. So, I mean, every time I see this video, it makes my blood boil. And this really is political correctness gone awry. I'm drinking an Angry Orchard hard cider. It comes in cans now. And though this isn't a paid placement, uh, every once in a while I just like to share what I'm drinking with the audience. But anyway, uh, so she was on campus during those protests. And, uh, and this, is, this is definitely kind of Orwellian newspeak. Uh, right along with microaggressions and the rest. Now they have something called safe spaces. Spots that no one's supposed to be able to infiltrate. That you can stay in and be safe. Uh, I guess we might also call that your bedroom uh, or something. But So they had this safe space set up, I believe it was. And there was this young reporter who was just trying to figure out what's going on. Wanted to interview some people. Wasn't being combative, seemed like a pretty even-keeled, mild-mannered guy. And this lady, this professor, Melissa Click, like a raving harpy, gets in his face and starts screaming, You have to leave! Get out of here! Grabbing his camera, screaming that she wants some muscle to help get this reporter out of here. And uh, guess what she majored in? communications you know so, and, and yet she has no respect for the media uh, apparently but as should be the case i believe she uh, was forced to resign but every time i see that video i'm absolutely disgusted and i think if you go and try to look at her curriculum vitae if you know, look at her cv shut up dog um it's all of these essays on, uh, I think at least three of them are on the Twilight movies. And one of them, I think, is on how white Martha Stewart is. All this really lightweight garbage. Um, but I thought in a couple videos, Thunderfoot did an awesome job of taking her down. Thumbs down to her, man. Now I'm getting overly analytical. What was it in ancient Rome? Was it in the movies they used to depict it as thumbs down meant kill him? You know, if if the emperor is watching like a gladiatorial game. But then I heard that debunked and thumbs down supposedly meant sheathe your sword. Then I heard that debunked and, and if you had your thumb leveled, it meant something else. I don't know what the truth is. I think too much. I think I might be getting a buzz. Oh, I just thought of one more thing that I disagree with Thunderfoot on. There's a famous exchange between Thunderfoot and Ray Comfort. And you guys are probably aware of who Ray Comfort is, this kind of notorious young Earth creationist, the so-called banana man. 
because he said that the banana was proof that God existed because it fit into the human hand perfectly. And then to cringe-inducing effect, he placed the banana in his mouth. But turns out the banana as we know it today is a result of artificial selection. Uh, it was basically bred, if you will, to have the appearance and convenient shape that it does. In the uh, wild, I believe, you know, the ancestor of the banana, that sounds weird, is more of this kind of amorphous or bulbous type of um, fruit. So Ray Comfort made a laughing stock of himself in a couple of ways. Not only did it look like he was simulating oral sex on a banana, but he was also dead wrong about the, uh, the facts or the science. But in this exchange... And the whole thing, during the whole exchange, Ray Comfort is trying to play gotcha with Thunderfoot. He's trying to pin him down on these questions concerning morality. And, and a lot of the questions have to do with Nazi Germany. And ultimately, he asks Thunderfoot if there was a pit filled with Jewish victims, with 300 people who had just been shot and shoved into the pit, the living mixed in with the dead, and a Nazi officer ordered you to get into a uh, a bulldozer or whatever and, and plow the bodies over with dirt, uh, would you do it? And I'll actually play that clip now. I want, I want you to make it a choice for me. Look, it's 1943. Wow. A German officer has got a gun pointed at your head. He wants you to get into a bulldozer and drive it forward. Mm-hmm. In front of the bulldozer is a pit. <clears throat> Excuse me. In front of the bulldozer is a pit with 300 Jews in it. They've just been shot. Some of them are still alive. He wants you to bury them alive. If you don't do what he says, he's going to shoot you to death and do it himself. Would you drive the bulldozer forward? And don't say I don't know. Um, in that case... I mean, it really is. There are people who did this. There are people who. I know, that's why I'm asking. There are people who um, did what they were told. And this goes very much back to how people respond to it. So, what would you do? If it were me, um, in my, if, if I had the brain that I have at present, you know, I'm just teleported instantly back there, I'd give him the finger and tell him to go fuck himself. Can't say that. Put it another way. Um, I would I would give him the finger. No, you can't say that either. Okay. Just say I would say no and I'd die. Um, yeah, there are, there are worse things than death, you know. So you wouldn't do it? No. Because you value human life? Um, no, because, uh, ultimately, um, malevolent social structures like the Nazis propagated, for the large part, on complicity. Right, the majority... Could you put that in English for us peasants? Oh, sorry. Um... People following orders is what made the Nazis... So you wouldn't do it to save the Jews, you'd do it because you just don't like the way the Nazis do things. Well, I mean, if the Nazis weren't killing the Jews, there wouldn't really be any point in the question, you know? So you value human life at all? Yeah. Yeah. Life is kind of pleasant, you know? So you value human life. So how do you feel about abortion? Sorry to tease you with the uh, abortion question there. (laughs) I know I left it hanging. Um, but we can save that for another day. So I think where Thunderfoot kind of fumbled there, and maybe that's not fair to him because maybe this is really how he feels, but I feel like he kind of played 
right into the hands of Ray Comfort. So not only was it a, a strategic fumble in a way, but at least for me personally, morally, it would be the wrong answer for me. When Ray Comfort asked me, you know, why would I refuse to do it? Or, or you know, when he asked, so you value, do you value human life? I would have said in the blink of an eye, yeah, I wouldn't have done it because I value human life. And I don't think I have the right to end the lives of those living individuals who are mixed in with the dead. Or I don't want to be complicit in the murder of these individuals or whatever. So I actually admire Thunderfoot's spirit, you know, when he says, I would say F you to the Nazi officer because he doesn't want to, you know, be a cog in the machine or simply do what he's told or whatever. But yeah, I would definitely say the primary reason why I wouldn't do it is because I value human life. If Ray Comfort tried to play gotcha and said, well, where does that morality come from? You must believe in absolute morality then. Then I'd go back, which I think if you listen to that whole exchange, uh, Thunderfoot does talk about the evolutionary roots of morality in a roundabout way. I would just go to the evolutionary roots of morality. I'd go to the fact, you know, we can see group solidarity, compassion, altruism in the animal world. We also see a lot of tribalism and violence too. It's because I think we're a mixed bag in group out group stuff. But I think we are hardwired for altruism and compassion. Uh, we're social creatures. So I would have no problem saying that to Ray Comfort. So I don't know if that's how Thunderfoot really felt or if he was just trying to deftly uh, avoid getting snared in one of Ray Comfort's traps. And so he didn't want to give a straightforward moral answer. So next up. Rather than talking about another person I admire on YouTube, I'm going to talk about something, uh, what's the opposite of admire? I don't know, loathe. Um, and it's very rare that I say I loathe anyone. I try to consider myself a fairly nice guy, a calm, you know, kind of measured guy. And I think the only other person on the show that I've ever said that, you know, I'm not necessarily going to give you a solid reason, I just don't like this person, is Ryan Wiley. Now I'm going to add Steve Shives to that. Although I can give you reasons why I dislike Ryan Wiley. <clears throat> and I think I did that, perhaps in the first YouTube Atheist video. But Steve Shives is this popular YouTuber who's been around the for a while. And I guess originally, he was doing pretty straightforward Atheist videos, where he was kind of debunking the supernatural claims of religion, pointing to the contradictions in the Bible and things like that. And I think he had a popular series called An Atheist Reads or something like that. But he has drunk the Atheism Plus Kool-Aid. And uh, he's constantly talking about feminism. And and let's just, let's just put the brakes on for a moment and clear something up. One thing I hate about this current landscape regarding like MRAs, you know, men's rights activists versus feminists, and how hypersensitive militant feminists and the super PC people can be, is that we have to keep on pointing out that we're not anti-women. And, and I say we, I guess I'm just, I'm not an MRA by any stretch of the imagination. I guess when I say we, I just mean logical people who have a problem with radical feminism. 
we have to keep pointing out that we're not anti-feminist. You know, we have to define feminism. And militant feminists hate when you bring up the dictionary definition of feminism. At least some do. They feel like it's a cop-out or it's or it's not good enough because it doesn't include all the extra PC baggage. But I was recently listening to a live stream with Shoe on Head, Thunderfoot, and Sargon, and they were saying that the the opposite is actually true, that often, in their experience, kind of militant feminists will try to hide behind the dictionary definition of feminism when they actually believe it should include all that other stuff. And I'm looking at the dictionary right now and defines fem. And I don't know where this definition comes from exactly, if it's Merriam-Webster's or what, but I'm using the built-in dictionary app on my Mac. Uh, But it defines feminism as the advocacy of women's rights on the grounds of political, social, and economic equality to men. And that's if that's the definition, I'm a feminist. You know what I mean? I believe women should have all the same political rights as men. I believe that women should have this, all the same social rights as men. And I believe that women should have the same economic rights as men. And I don't want to get into the whole wage gap thing because I don't know enough about it. Sometimes people say there definitely is a wage gap. Then maybe MRAs or other people say... There isn't a wage gap, or or maybe there is in a sense, but it's not because women get paid less. It's because women make different lifestyle choices or miss more work because of, you know, having children and this and that. I don't know what the truth is. I don't know. If there really is some kind of sexist disparity, you know, between the way men and women are paid, I obviously think that's unjust and needs to be corrected. Uh, I think people should be paid according to their merit. And I think whether we're talking about, you know, I'll say graphic design because that's why I got my degree. And even though I've been wasting that degree working for the family construction business, losing my sanity, um, when I went to school for graphic design, a lot of the teachers were women, uh, a good deal, probably at least half the students were women. Um, a lot of graphic design professionals are women. Um, I think a woman can be at least as good of an artist as a man and she get paid accordingly. I think she recently left the practice, but up until recently, my primary care physician uh, was a woman, you know, I can't tell you how many times a day, you know, I go to a place of business or whatever, person behind a, a counter is a, is a woman or whatever. I, uh, right now, where I'm probably not supposed to talk too much about it, but I'm renovating a house with my brother, and the woman we're doing a job for is a, um, a mathematics professor, uh, a very advanced and sophisticated uh, strain of mathematics. She teaches at a Brandeis and some other schools. So I believe that women can be just as good as men in any field. I mean, I don't want to get into all this crap, but remember the big hubbub when I think it was some kind of Harvard big shot? It might have been, I don't know if it was at a commencement speech or where it was, but he, he said something about women not being as good at math as men. I don't know what the numbers are. I don't know if on average one gender or one sex is better than the other at, at say, mathematics or, you know, a given field or discipline. 
I do know that the average woman is better at math than me. I'm absolutely horrible at mathematics. Somehow when I got my design degree, um, I, ha I was forced to take a couple of advanced math classes. And somehow, to my surprise, just through pure willpower, I managed to get like an A and a B in those different classes. And I think right afterwards, everything I had learned just melted out my ears. I've always been more geared towards language and the arts than uh, mathematics. Yeah, so I, I think women deserve full parity with men. But if we're going to define feminism as not only as it's not good enough for me to just believe that women are equal and deserve equal rights, but I also have to swallow all of your PC Kool-Aid and all of your new speak. And if I don't do that, you tell me I'm not a feminist. I'm a male pig. I'm an MRA or something. Sorry. I believe women deserve equal rights. I believe women are equal. I just don't believe I should be forced to swallow your effing Kool-Aid, okay? And it's funny, there's a clip I meant to play of Thunderfoot debunking Anita Sarkeesian, but I think it got lost in the shuffle. And it's where she just boldly claims, I'm paraphrasing, that it's a myth that men are stronger than women. And, you know, Thunderfoot goes on to explain how we're a dimorphic species, etc. Yeah, that's amazing to me when she says, with this kind of smug little laugh, that it's just a myth or a misconception that men are stronger than women. And let's just get something straight. I actually really don't care who's stronger than who, whether we're talking about men versus women or a man versus another man. I think being preoccupied with physical strength is juvenile. You know, it's kind of schoolyard stuff, wanting the confidence of knowing you could beat up uh, the next guy or wanting to believe that your dad can beat up their dad or whatever, you know. I, I don't really think physical strength matters much. And a lot of jobs nowadays, we live in such a technologically advanced society and such a bureaucratic society that physical strength doesn't really come into play much unless you're doing something like me working in construction or something. If I was smart, you know, I'd uh, switch over to design where I really wouldn't need physical strength other than the strength to move a mouse. So I don't think physical strength matters, but there's some things that are just objective facts. Although I believe that men and women, as far as the capacity of their brains go, are equal in that they're both capable of the same intellectual achievements. Of course, there are some differences. There's some biochemical, hormonal differences. I think, was it, basically in the womb, we all start out kind of neutral or female. Then the, the flood of hormones is what determines, how, you know, the, the secondary sexual characteristics and whatnot. Essentially, men and women in the womb start off with the same equipment, shall we say, but... If you're a male and you receive, you know, that boost of testosterone, you develop external male genitalia or reproductive organs based on the structure of female reproductive organs or genitalia. But I believe on a DNA level, sex is already determined, you know, XX or XY. But physically, to look at the fetus, they both look kind of neutral or female. But like I said, you know, if you get that flood of testosterone, then the, 
the sexual characteristics, uh, the external genitalia of the male, etc., start to develop. Why am I talking about all this again? Oh yeah, strength and the sexes. But yeah, even though I don't care about physical strength, I do care about truth, and I do care about facts and intellectual honesty. So are there some women who could kick the crap out of me? I have no doubt. Uh, we've probably all had, you know, for guys we, we, or girls who are, um, who happen to be gay, uh, we, we've probably all had gr- girlfriends who were able to pound us in the arm and actually, you know, make you flinch or, uh, could try to get the one up on you while wrestling around or whatever. I'm, I'm sure that there's women out there that could, you know, kick the crap out of me, no doubt. And we don't even necessarily have to be talking about a Ronda Rousey or something like that. But on average though, Let's say we took two 27-year-olds, a male and a female, both average height and weight uh, for, their, for their sex, and they both basically maintain the same or similar exercise regimens, both lifted weights, endurance exercise, all that stuff. I don't think it's a revolutionary idea that the male's probably going to be taller and more heavily muscled than the female. And that's basically just... A fact of life. Uh, I, I don't, that's not a value judgment. It shouldn't matter how tall someone is, how strong someone is. To me, what should matter is the person a good person? Are they someone I can have a conversation with? Uh, are they pleasant to be around? Um, you know, that type of thing. Even though I understand and appreciate the value of exercise and I work out myself, I don't determine my friends or how valuable other people are based on physical strength. And I should add one caveat or kind of addendum to uh, the statement I made earlier that, you know, I think that a woman can be just as successful as any man in any field. The only way I would tweak that slightly, keeping in mind all this stuff about physical strength, might be something like professional sports, where you might be able to put a really tough woman on an all-male NFL team. Um, And as tough as she is, I don't know if she'd be able to keep up with these giant guys with with shoulders the width of refrigerators or whatever, you know? Which is probably why we do tend to have different leagues or whatever for the sexes. Um, We have female soccer, male soccer, football for my friends across the pond, and uh, things like that. Not like that matters to me. I've made numerous self-deprecating jokes on this show how I have absolutely no interest in sports. I mean, there, there might be some sports where physical strength might not come into play as much. It might more be about skill and, and just uh, how agile and deft you are. Maybe like, uh, I don't know, skiing or tennis or something like that. I don't know. And of course, even with UFC, you know, ultimate fighting. They have um, men's competitions and women's competitions. Um, So far, they're not mixing them up. That I'm aware of. So it's just absolutely insane saying that both sexes are equally as strong. It's just as insane as saying that both sexes have the same exact genitalia or the same exact body shape or something like that. It's factually just not true. Both sexes to me are equal in that they both deserve the same amount of respect and they both have the same innate dignity as human beings. And uh, 
you religious folk out there might be saying, what do I mean by innate dignity? I'm not necessarily saying a higher power um, instilled some kind of innate dignity in us. But I think as a species, as moral beings, and I think there's an evolutionary um, foundation to morality, but I won't go into that right now because I just touched on that earlier while talking about Thunderfoot and Ray Comfort, and I've talked about it at length numerous times on the show. But I think as empathetic, caring, sentient creatures, we should recognize the human dignity in one in one another, and we should treat each other with respect, equally so, male or female. Uh, and and in that sense, we're equal. In, in the sense that we deserve freedom, the same amount of freedom, we're equal. In the sense that we're both capable of great things, and a woman can be just as smart and, and accomplished as, a, as any man, we're equal in that sense. But we do have different physical characteristics, and there are some biochemical differences. Sorry, what do you want me to do about it? Complain to the God who I don't believe in. But how the hell... I was supposed to be talking about Steve Shives. How did I get off on this now? Yet another digression. Yeah, but I'm going to play a clip of Steve Shives. And it should be clear why I don't care for the man upon hearing it. Because he's really pro-atheism plus. He's really pro-bundling atheism together with his social justice uh, agenda. And some people have speculated half-jokingly that it might be his girlfriend, now his wife, working as kind of a Svengali in the background. If, if you're not familiar with the term, I believe Svengali is like um, a literary reference for this person, this figure behind the scenes who has this kind of hypnotic spell-like hold of another person, kind of puppeteering them, you know? <laughs> kind of like uh, full Macintosh with Anita Sarkeesian. But who knows? In fairness to the guy, I can't say how much of this uh, worldview and how much of it is uh, because he drank his wife's Kool-Aid. And that just sounded like some kind of creepy euphemism. But here we go, and it's actually clips, plural, kind of a little montage. And uh, to be honest, it's actually clips of a couple of other people uh, dissecting Steve Shive's um, recent controversial video on atheism and feminism. And this first clip is from an episode of The Drunken Peasants with God Saad sitting in. Atheism and feminism are naturally complementary to one another. There is no human institution that has done so much in so many cultures across such a long period of time to hold women down as organized religion. For most of the history of civilization, the proposition that women ought to be treated equally to men was just as radical as the proposition that gods did not exist. Before I get too far into this, I want to make it clear that I will be using multiple senses of the word atheism throughout this video. Sorry, what? <laughs> multiple uh, senses of the word atheism. I believe there's only one sense of the word right. atheism. I, right. I kind of... There's really not much of a gradient there. It's one of the few things that actually is just a true on-off binary. Right. <laughs> okay. So This will be okay. obvious to most of you from the context of what I'm saying, but bitter experience tells me that it will <coughs> not be so obvious to a few of you. So before you post an angry comment presuming to inform me that atheism means not believing in gods and that's all it means, that let me say means. that... I agree with the first half of that statement, but also okay. remind you that not everyone uses the term to mean that and only that. 
Okay, well then they're so, just using it. They're using it incorrectly then. So what are, what are, is he going to say what the other meanings are? Yeah, I, I'm hoping he will. Let's see. Atheism can also refer to the community of atheists or the body of work produced by that community. Uh, no. No. No, it can't. That's, that makes no sense. No, that's, that's just gibberish. That's complete nonsense. Would you agree that that's complete nonsense, guys? Uh, yeah, it, it 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 smells like gibberish. I must yeah. I must admit this. Uh, like S.E. Cup is an atheist. T.J., do you agree with her? No, I. Don't. I mean, there you go. I mean, it's there's totally... a vast array of opinions from atheists. That's Who is that. this guy, by the way? To give me some context. Who is he? He is, this guy is named Steve Shives. He is a YouTuber. He's fairly popular. He has about fifty-three thousand subscribers, I believe. Um, and he has sort of an SJW bent. I think that's probably already obvious. Um, yes. And that's pretty much all the backstory you should need. Okay. Really legitimate to notice trends within that community or body of work and to propose that something be done to change those trends that I find troubling. I'm not proposing that we redefine what atheism means, and I'm you not suggesting have. that people who disagree with me about stuff are not authentic atheists. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Good. Now I'm going to turn into another shot to disguise a jump cut. Okay. Good. Hey, as I was saying, given the fact that both atheists and advocates for the rights of women have historically been oppressed by organized religion, and also given the fact that modern atheism has largely rejected... You know, first wave feminism was actually in league with a lot of um, religious organizations. You know, it was kind of like the white christian girls club at the time right, right. so the, the, you mean the suffrage movement that those, right. those guys yeah yeah i mean you know wasn't that also part of the temperance movement too yeah they were uh they were they kind of spearheaded yeah. the temperance oh movement. yeah so he's basically saying that by by ultimately getting rid of religion uh that advances the cause of feminism that i that i summarize that Accurately? Is that, is that I'm, right? I'm not, I'm not quite sure yet. Let's take, okay. I, let's take a little okay. bit more. Other regressive attitudes traditionally promoted by religious fundamentalism, like hostility to science and modern medicine, or overt prejudice against LGBT people, you might think that atheism and feminism would be the strongest of allies. And, in the minds of many atheists and many feminists, they are. Thanks to the internet, I have a fairly large circle of friends and acquaintances who, like me, identify as both atheist and feminist, and find that the two fit together quite neatly. My friends and I aren't alone. Voices supportive of feminism are everywhere in the atheist community. Unfortunately, there is also a faction within atheism that is aggressively hostile toward women in general and outspoken feminists in particular. Oh, oh, there's your face, there TJ. Oh, there he is. There he is. Yeah, there's my speckled guy, right? Yep. You're just hostile towards women in general. Feminism. You're the, you're the guy with the red hair, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that's, that's me. Spot on. Uh, actually, that is my video, though. F feminism versus freedom of speech. And as you see, one point, I think that's five million views there. Holy moly. Tell me your secret. Uh, you just got to be, you got, you, you, you know, your main problem right now, if I was looking I at your swear. channel. Yeah, well, no, no, it's not even that. It's just you need more incendiary titles. Oh, you know? right, okay. Like okay. your like your video I was talking about earlier. What was it called? It was called uh, 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 racial favoritism. Racial favoritism yeah. across racial lines. Yeah, you or should you should have just called it "Black people can be racist too." It's an, <laughs> it's an oversimplification, but I guarantee you, you would have got ten or fifteen thousand more views. Got it.
So you gotta you gotta act like you're writing headlines. You're a mar- <laughs> you're in marketing. You should you should know. There you go. There you go. I'm I'm failing as a marketer. No, 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 no. This <laughs> faction is most active here on YouTube. Within it are several of the most subscribed to atheist channels. These regularly feature videos attacking feminists, spreading misinformation about feminism, oh, and up. attempting to undermine efforts to address problems of importance to feminists, such there as sexual no assault. You know, no it, I do, it's funny to point out that to guys like this, you're a misogynist. But then like to the people that, uh, that were tweeting God... You're a SJW. A SJW. Yeah. Right, and some, right. some people warned him that this is like an SJW podcast. Right. So more of this guy's video and see if he can generate any oh, more useful discussion guy. for us. Yeah. The high-profile anti-feminist YouTubers don't directly instigate these actions of their followers, but they don't seem all that concerned with them either, despite these sorts of things being done in their names by self-professed fans of theirs all the time. There are two major results of this. First, feminists, especially women, either stop participating in the YouTube atheist community or decide not to start. And second, the atheist community as a whole is perceived by those outside of it as being a place where sexism and misogyny are not merely tolerated, but rewarded. Uh, I'm sorry, but you're the one that's propagating that narrative more than anyone else. You're the one who's... He has a very... He has a holy... I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I, I was going to say he's got a holier-than-thou, as if he's almost like a Southern Baptist preacher, a, a cadence or timber to his voice, right? The way he's delivering it, right? Yeah, and and also I just I think it's ridiculous that he's sitting there saying, oh, this community is so misogynistic and it's so horrible and it's all these things, and, you know, that scares women away. It's like, you know, don't you think that you're contributing to that by describing it as such? Because anyone who actually goes and watches those videos like uh, that I've made about feminism can see that there's nothing misogynistic about them Yeah, you're whatsoever. critical of the ideas, very so, seldomly the people. I, be- you know, I believe in, in gender egalitarianism. I believe that women deserve all the same rights and, and shit that men have, and I believe they should be treated equally, and I believe they are equal in, in most respects that matter. And, you know, oh, misogynist. Differences and shit, but... You know, there's probably ways that women are generally better and ways that men are generally better, no. whatever you want to define better only as. Wi- only women can be better. Men can't but, be better. You know, I'm obviously not, I'm not coming at it like, fuck women, I'm a misogynist, and here's why women are all irrational hags that have nothing of value to say. But th- that's how they right. That's how they you. portray it. That's how they interpret yeah. it, they just sure. They basically just go look at the title that says, you know, feminism versus uh, freedom of speech, and they say, oh, well, he's, a, uh, he's casting aspersions at feminism, so obviously he's... They're, anti-women. They don't even look at how the meaning of the word feminism has changed. Right. It's been it's been in a perpetual state of change. Yes. And this next clip is from the Armored Skeptic, uh, another great YouTuber. I don't think he really talks about feminism at all that much, but he did uh, put his two cents in on this one. Atheism can also refer to the community of atheists or the body of work produced by that community. Yes, there is an atheist community, but that community is connected by only one thing, and that is the fact that they have a shared disbelief in a god. You cannot just start tacking on other things to that community without getting a fight, regardless of your motivation and regardless of how noble your cause is. Just because two organizations or two groups 
have one thing in common does not mean that they are compatible. For example, there's a form of feminism that is sex negative. Don't you think people might have a problem with the idea of sex negative feminism joining forces with the Taliban because they both think that women should be covered up in public? It's totally legitimate to notice trends within that community or body of work and to propose that something be done to change those trends that I find troubling. Oh, that you find troubling. You see, Stephen, a community is made up of individuals. Individuals with different ideas, thoughts, concepts, opinions, and different approaches to tackle the same issues. What you're proposing here, Stephen, is that we police atheist communities so that they are no longer troubling to you. Given the fact that both atheists and advocates for the rights of women have historically been oppressed by organizations religion. That's a tenuous connection. Atheists and advocates for female rights were both oppressed at one time. Check. And also given the fact that modern atheism has largely rejected other regressive attitudes traditionally promoted by religious fundamentalism, like hostility to science and modern medicine, or overt prejudice against LGBT people, you might think that atheism and feminism would be the strongest of allies. Yeah, I wonder why that is. Wait, what was that you said? Modern atheism has largely rejected other regressive attitudes. This is exactly the issue that split the atheist community in two when Atheism Plus reared its ugly head. The feminist community started proposing regressive ideas, taking away people's freedom of speech, punishing members for asking questions and proposing new ideas, and publicly shaming people, including women, for not toting the line. Essentially, a group of bullies decided they wanted to police the community community because they found it troubling. I know I'm not the first person to say this, but you're essentially proposing that we reinstitute Atheism Plus with a new coat of paint. And in the minds of many atheists and many feminists, they are. And that's fine for those of you who feel like you can balance both ideas. Go for it. Call yourself an atheist feminist. I don't f***ing care. But atheism isn't necessarily an ideology. But feminism is an ideology. And there's a lot of baggage that comes along with the title of feminist. And you're trying to slap a title onto a group of people who are already trying to shed themselves of titles. A lot of atheists don't even call themselves atheists because they don't like the implications that come along with titles and identities. You're trying to force a community of people to take on a new identity. All right, so I think those guys did a pretty good job of debunking Steve Shives there, uh, or taking on his proposal that, as the Armored Skeptic put it, that atheism, which isn't even really, you know, an ideology, it's just the absence of a belief in a god should somehow be bundled together with uh, modern feminism, or at least this strain of feminism that we find on YouTube, um, which is an ideology. And I know I have a lot of female listeners, and I hope that it came across loud and clear that I have a deep respect for women and view them as equals, and that when I'm criticizing feminism here, I'm just criticizing this kind of militant or ultra PC strain of feminism. So I hope no one listening, uh, none of my female listeners, take offense. Uh, I really appreciate your support and, and your listenership and your friendship. Uh, but enough of that mushy stuff. Uh, I think I'm finally going to call this episode a wrap. I feel 
absolutely exhausted. I've been working all week, Christmas shopping, uh, trying to put the podcast together. And for some reason, this particular episode was especially challenging. Um, Maybe because I had to research so many different people and because it includes so many different clips, which I had to harvest from all over the place. So... Before I collapse, I'll just say thanks for listening, and you guys know the drill. Like the show on Facebook, uh, check out the show on YouTube, follow the show on Twitter. If you'd like to support the show monetarily, you can donate as little as 99 cents a month via Patreon and quit anytime you want. And uh, I'll probably just leave it there. All right, until next time, thanks.